Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church, advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Good morning, Epworth. My name is Tanisha Geralds, and I will be reading the scripture today, which is Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what has been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what has been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamination. Rachel, weeping for her children, she refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who are seeking the child's life are dead. 
Then Joseph got up and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warmed in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth. So that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. of my mouth be acceptable in your sight O God our strength and our Redeemer I just turned on the mic so I have not shown my face around here since <laughs> since March of 2020 when nobody was even in here much less showing our faces and it's so good to be back and to experience the California sunshine. Um, and, the, and, you know, it rains a lot in Nashville, so we brought the rain with us and need it so much. But as, as Kristen said, um, I do attend worship just about every Sunday. So I go to, I go to church in Nashville and then I go home and I, I participate in this service. And something I've noticed for a long time is that I know you guys from the back of your heads better than I know. <laughs> I know the folks in Asheville from by their face. It's good to see your faces again. Um, I remember we made the decision in October, September, October of uh, 2020, and I, I let you all know during a coffee hour in October, and. It's a poignant memory. I remember Lloyd Elliott saying, um, you've got to come back and preach. So Lloyd, um, if you're listening, I'm here and I'm, I'm so happy to be here. So my glasses are defogged by now. <laughs> I have gotten very active in Nashville. Among other things, I, I joined the faculty at Ollie. There's an Ollie at Cal here but it's the College for Seniors at the University of, Asheville, University of North Carolina, Asheville. And I taught a course last winter entitled Heretics of the Bible, which is basically who I am. Uh, and, and, my, and my class one morning dealt with uh, the Hebrew prophets. And I started by asking the question, what is a prophet? And I projected a number of slides on the screen with different images of things that people might assume a prophet to be. And one of those slides, I had put together a medley of four YouTube videos, each video having a snippet of a folk song from the 60s. Bob Dylan singing The Times They Are Changing. Peter, Paul, and Mary singing Blowing in the Wind. Joan Baez singing, We Shall Overcome, and Pete Seeger singing, If I Had a Hammer. And they were 
old, grainy, black and white videos, but those songs are still so powerful. And as the class, we were all boomers like me, as the class watched and listened and remembered, I was moved. And a question came to me. What happened? I mean, these are the songs we grew up with. These were the songs that shaped us. These were the songs that engendered in us the idea of working to change the world and make it a better place. What happened? What happened to the idealism that was flourishing in the 60s? What happened to so many members of our generation who seem to have lost any sense of idealism? Dylan saying the times they are a-changing, were they? Did they? Are they changing? What's happened with this dream of peace on earth? Are we any closer to realizing that dream today than we were in the 60s or whenever? Of course, this is not a dream that began in the 1960s. I assume that for as long as there have been human beings, there has been the dream of being able to live at peace with one's neighbors. That dream was expressed verbally 2,700 years ago by the great Hebrew prophets, Micah and the first Isaiah. They sang a song that said, that said we will beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks and nation will not learn war anymore. And the Christian church appropriated that vision and said that it has been fulfilled in Jesus. This is the content of the Christmas song that the shepherds sang, that, that the angels sang to the shepherds as they watched over their flock by night. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people of goodwill. And Charles Wesley in 1739 made the angels song the template for his great Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. And in the years before the Civil War, there was an African-American spiritual that, 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 that sang about another aspect of Isaiah's vision. Gonna lay down my burdens down by the riverside, ain't gonna study war no more. So the dream of peace has been around since the human race began. The prophets have proclaimed it. The church has taught that Jesus came to be the Prince of Peace. So what happened? Are we even one day closer to realizing the prophet's vision? Is peace on earth ever gonna happen? So perhaps it's appropriate that the text we have before us is the lectionary lesson for the first Sunday after Christmas in year A, this dreadful story that Tanisha read, us, read for us from the second chapter of Matthew. It's a story called The Massacre of the Innocents. It's truly horrific. King Herod receives intelligence that a little baby has been born in Bethlehem. 
the city we sang about. A baby has been born, and the talk is that this baby was born to be the king of the Jews. This is not what Herod wants to hear. Because as far as Herod is concerned, he is the king of the Jews. And he can believe that with some justification because no less an authority than Caesar himself has appointed Herod to be king of the Jews, to be king of Israel. And so as king, Herod had a very simple job description. Keep the order. Put down any threat of insurrection. If, if keep things simple and, and uncomplicated for the empire. Keep your ear to the ground. And if you hear of any threat, any challenge to Roman hegemony, your, your job is to do away with that threat by whatever means necessary. And so that's what Herod decides to do. He decides to kill this baby. This would be king of the Jews. The only question is where to find that baby? Well, fortunately, there are some magi in town who are also looking for the baby. So Herod enlists them as spies. And he sends them out to search for the baby and he says to them, when you found him, come back and tell me where he is so that I might go and worship him myself. He was lying. And the Magi realized he was lying too. They weren't born yesterday. And so when they found the child, they went back home by another way so that they could avoid seeing Herod again. So when Herod discovers that his dirty little plan has been spoiled, he does the unthinkable. He gathers the Roman soldiers at his disposal and he orders them to go to the little town of Bethlehem and murder every child two years old and younger in and around that town to make sure they eliminate this so-called king of the Jews. So this is a dark, violent story about genocide. To be truthful, there's not much evidence that this massacre actually happened. But Matthew, more than a, having a historical agenda, has a literary agenda here. Matthew is trying to characterize Jesus as the new Moses. And so he crafts this story about the early years of Jesus' life that parallels the story of Moses in the book of Exodus. Remember in Exodus, when Moses was born, there was a standing order from Pharaoh to the midwives of Egypt to do what? To kill every baby boy born to an Israelite woman. To do away with the potential threat that one of those little boys would grow up to be a leader who would lead his people to freedom. So Herod in Matthew has the same idea as Pharaoh in Exodus. But Matthew was making um, an, an even, but, but the point that Matthew was making is this. Jesus was born into a hostile world. Jesus was born into a world that tried to kill him when he was born, a world that kept at it until they finally did it. Jesus was born into a world ruled by an empire 
whose values were hostile to everything he came to live and teach. So that's one parallel that Matthew paints between Moses and Jesus. But there's another parallel as well. Moses came to teach God's law, God's way. And likewise, Jesus came to teach God's way. In Exodus, Moses went up the mountain and he came down with the tablets of stone and he taught the law, he taught the Torah to Israel. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus goes up the mountain and he takes his disciples with him and up on the mountaintop, he sits them around him and he teaches them God's law. He teaches them God's way in a discourse we call the Sermon on the Mount. And that discourse begins, of course, with the Beatitudes, which are, which are a statement of the values of the kingdom of God. And I'm thinking in particular this morning of one of those values that very much parallels what the prophets were proclaiming. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. And there on the mountain, Jesus teaches what it looks like to live as peacemakers in this world. He rejects common wisdom. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbors, but hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, believe me, I'm not naive. I know this is hard to do. Peacemaking is not an easy calling. It can be so frustrating to reach out to somebody with whom you disagree and try to have a constructive conversation so that you get to understand who each of you is and what you're about and why you believe the way you do. It's frustrating, it's hard, but just because it's frustrating doesn't mean we shouldn't do it because that's the only way there is to make peace. Peacemaking is hard. It requires the courage to dare to know your adversary. It requires the intentionality to try to understand your opponent as a fellow human being with hopes and fears and dreams of their own. Peacemaking requires spiritual discipline to refrain from derogating the other using simplistic caricatures. The thing is, that's so easy to do, and we all fall into that trap, I assume. But I digress. The point is that the values of the kingdom of God and the values of empire are so totally different. Isaiah and Micah talked about beating swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. Jesus talked about loving your enemy and praying for those who persecute you. Values that are totally at odds with a world that prizes power above all else and protects that power with violence. So this is the point in the story Matthew tells us. Jesus was born into a hostile world ruled by a hostile empire, by a hostile king who would stop at nothing to preserve his own power, even if that meant sending soldiers to kill every two-year-old in the little town of Bethlehem. 
don't know if you've heard of Russell Moore. Russell Moore is the editor-in-chief of Christianity Today, which is an evangelical magazine that Billy Graham began 70 years ago. About three months ago, Russell Moore wrote an editorial in which he spoke a hard truth. He addressed that truth to the evangelical church, but it's the truth that we would do well to struggle with ourselves. Moore made the observation that too many Christians and too many churches are basically dismissing the Sermon on the Mount as being a relevant ethic for us to live by today. The, the, the reasoning that he, he, he saw in too many people was that they said that the Sermon on the Mount might have been okay for Bible times, but that current culture is much too hostile for it to make any sense. He said that that attitude shows the sheer biblical illiteracy of those with that point of view because of the story we heard today. That horrible story from the second chapter of Matthew that raises a pointed question for us. If you say this was fine for Bible times, but our world is too hostile, what could be more hostile than what Herod tried to do to Jesus? What could be more hostile than what Herod did do to all those two-year-olds? What could be more hostile to Christian values than an empire that would resort to genocide to accomplish its purposes? 21st century America, for all its problems, and we've got them, is a whole lot more enlightened than first century Rome. That's not a high bar, <laughs> but we pass it easily, that bar. So that leaves us with this question. Will we as people of faith dare to live as peacemakers in a hostile world? Peace on earth has been the dream of every generation. The prophets proclaimed it, Jesus incarnated it, singers have sung about it, faithful people have prayed for peace to come, and yet we find ourselves with this endless cycle of violence leading only to more violence. While too many dismiss Jesus' way and truth and life as not being relevant. When will we ever learn? When will we ever learn? Where have all the flowers gone? Long time passing. Where have all the flowers gone? Long time ago. Where have all the flowers gone? The children pick them everyone.
United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. Jesus.